Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Morning Sports Briefing here on May the 11th. Um, live coming to you on, well, where are we? We're on New Zealand Sports Radio, that's where we are. Um, coming to you at 8am every single morning. And today um, in the news, uh, we have uh, a third player in the EPL house or for, for Brighton has uh, tested positive for COVID-19 despite all of their uh, measures. We have a surprise win in the UFC. Um, NRL, NRL are poised to seal a seven-year, $2.3 billion broadcast um, deal. We also have updates from Major League Baseball, from the America's Cup, um, from Greyhound Racing, and also from skateboarding. It is a very varied show um, this morning. But I think at the top, we should um, probably kick off with that um, UFC news, um, Stephen. Yes, good morning, Paul, and good morning, everybody. Yeah, what a action-packed day it was yesterday. UFC 249, and uh, we've pretty much got the uh, cards and results right here in front of us. Of course, the, uh, the, the main fight, Tony Ferguson's uh, planned UFC 249 fight with lightweight champion Russian Khabib Nurmagomedov fell apart. Fans were given the ultimate consolation prize in the interim title fight between Ferguson and Justin Gauthier. And uh, while there was no crowd in attendance, apart from the trainer, media and officials, the fight did not disappoint with that. Uh, I think the images you're just seeing at the minute, is, uh, it looks like Ferguson copying one from Gauthier. Gauthier took full advantage of the opportunity, battering Ferguson over five rounds of action before scoring a late TKO to collect the championship belt at the uh, VY Star Veterans Memorial Arena Jackson, Florida. So there you have it. So it did not disappoint. Just uh, looking at the rest of the card, working our way backwards from the uh, um, the pre-fights. Henry Cujo of Los Angeles, California, defeated, defeated Californian Dominic Cruz via a second-round TKO in the uh, flyweight division. In the uh, heavyweight division, <clears throat> excuse me, Francis Nanu of Cameroon defeated Gia Rosnastruk of Suriname via first round TKO punches and um, 
Going through to the uh, next round in the featherweight division, Calvin Qatar, the 32-year-old from Newton, Massachusetts, defeated fellow American Jeremy Stevens via a second-round knockout with an elbow doing the damage in the uh, featherweight division. Just looking a bit further on in another heavyweight division, Greg Hardy from Millington, Tennessee, defeated the man from Cape Verdean, Jorgen De Castro, via a unanimous decision. Now, just a couple of little footnotes in and around Hardy. Hardy was a professional footballer, having represented the Carolina Panthers, Dallas Cowboys, and uh, he also did a bit of a stint with the Richmond Rough Riders as a defensive end in the American Arena League in 2018. It was announced that Hardy would make his professional debut at Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series on June 12th. He fought fellow former NFL defensive end Austin Lane and won by a knockout in the first round afterwards. He was awarded a contract by a UFC. Now, this guy is a, a very interesting character, got a very, very checkered history in and around violence. If you think some of the guys out of the NRL are some bad boys, this fella is a nasty piece of work. Now, a fight that I tuned in yesterday was um, Anthony Pettis and... Uh, Donald Sirione, who are very, very good friends. Um, and it kind of looked that way at times. Every After each round, they gave each other a hug and a high five. But it got a bit uh, it got a bit nasty in the third round when uh, Sirione claimed he got a poke in the eye uh, from uh, Pettis. Uh, and that just seemed to fight, ignite the fight. And uh, But it was uh, Pettis who came away taking what was a very, very good fight. At least uh, their faces still looked in in tech, unlike some of the other fights. Now, in the in the battle of the 42-year-olds in the heavyweight division, Alexei Olnikik from Ukraine defeated Fab Fabrico Wordham from Brazil for a split decision. The female fight of the day, which is the strawweight division. Now, you're wondering what the strawweight division is. That's the 48 to 50 kg weight limit. Uh, and uh, Esperanza beat her fellow American Michelle Waterson via a, a split division, decision. Now, in a fight that was something like out of a, uh, oh, good grief, uh, a, a bad assault, Vincent Lequick, the Brazilian-born American, defeated Nico Price from Florida via a third-round TKO. Now, his injuries were so horrific that the uh, doctor pretty much stopped, stopped the fight. Uh, it doesn't make for good viewing, let me let me tell you, if those images are up. You know, in the last two fights in the featherweight division, Bryce Mitchell of the U.S. defeated fellow American Charles Rosa via unanimous decision. And in the very, very first fight of that day, Ryan Spann from Memphis, Tennessee, defeated American Sam Alvey via a split decision. I hope you weren't having your breakfast while those images were up, folks. But uh, that's all the news we have in uh, UFC, Paul. Thank you very much for that update, Stephen. And we're going to move on now to the football um, where we had overnight. We had the uh, completion of the Belarusian um, league uh, weekend's games. Um, Neyman Grudono uh, lost to Ruhr Brest 2-4. Ishlash um, beat um, Belashina 2-1. Verbesk and um, Stress 4 uh, drew a, for a, a nil-all draw. In a high-scoring game, um, Smolovenich lost 3-5 to Bate, and Dynamo Brest beat Dynamo Minsk 2-1, um, which will uh, please Arsrin, um, who has joined us. 
what that means then is that um, Bete have gone top of the league. So congratulations to them pushing both Slutz and Torpedo down a place. The two teams supported by myself and uh, Stephen from the Deep South. Um, so good result for them over there. Belashina and um, Smilovic still have not recorded their first wins of the season down at the bottom there. Um, even though Smolovic scored three goals this weekend, they let in five. Um, so their attack has improved, but uh, they're still um, letting in more goals. So they've scored half their goals. They've only scored six goals all season, and they scored three goals this weekend. Moving on to other um, football news, and a third Brighton and Hove Albion player has tested positive for coronavirus. Two tested earlier, um, but I think have... Um, uh, earlier in the pandemic, um, Brighton Chief Executive Paul Barber says it is a concern. Despite all the measures that we've taken, that we've been taking over the past few weeks, where the players haven't been involved in any significant training at all, we've still suffered another player testing positive for the virus. Um, so, yes, uh, responding to the news of um, Norwich's 22-year-old midfielder Tom Cantwell said, "We're just people too." That is very true. You are just people, but you're also people who are being put in uh, supposedly these bubbles, which has, which are hope, which mean that you're trying to get the game to return. But more and more issues there, um, clearly getting that, um, getting that to return. Um, it is a precarious restart. And Steve Parrish, the Crystal Palace chairman, says um, Project Restart may fail. Uh, that it could be a very, very extended period before they, before the top flight returns, if they can't find a way to make it happen soon. Um, that obviously they're looking over at the Bundesliga uh, example, um, who have, I say, with where over there, remember, we talked about Borussia Dortmund had gone into self isolation for a week ahead of kickoff next weekend because, I mean, they've had players um, test positive earlier. And they carried out 1,724 tests um, last week in the Bundesliga, returning 10 positive results. So, look, a lot of effort clearly going in to getting the sport back on the pitch. Uh, I'm going to hand you over back back now to Stephen for our birthdays. Thank you, Paul, and birthdays today. The older brother of a North Harbour speedster, a Commonwealth Games weightlifter, and finally the last known All Black from Whanganui. Andrew John Donald, born this day, the 11th of May, 1957, in Whanganui, is a former New Zealand rugby union player. Halfback Donald represented Wanganui at provincial level and was a member of the New Zealand national side, the All Blacks, from 1981 to 1984. Donald, who turns 63 today, played 20 matches for the All Blacks, including seven internationals. The halfback also made 118 appearances for Wanganui and may have been the last man to have pulled on the All Black jersey from the now Heartland province. Moving on, Saxon Gregory Hunt, born this day 11th of May 1993, is a New Zealand male weightlifter competing in the 85kg category and representing New Zealand at international competitions. Gregory Hunt, who turns 27 today, participated at the 2014 Commonwealth Games in Glasgow, Scotland, finishing a creditable ninth placing. And finally, Luatangi Lee, born this day the 11th of May 1991 in New Zealand, is a rugby union player who has played for the Blues and Super Rugby. His playing position is prop, 
Lee, who turns 29 today, was named in the Blue Squad for Week 4 in 2019 after playing only eight games for North Harbour in the 2018 Mighty 10 Cup season. Lee is also the older brother of North Harbour Blues and Highlanders winger Tavita Lee. And I've got to say, at 120 Ks, he may not have been the fastest, but he was the fastest to the dinner table. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very true, Stephen. And uh, happy birthday to all of them. And let's hope he uh, shares his cake with some other people rather than eating it all himself. Uh, and we're going to hand over now to Arshwin, who will take us through our cricket update. Good morning, Paul, and good morning to everybody. And hope you've had a good weekend. I uh, don't know if it varies a hell of a lot from the normal days at the moment. But anyway, on to the cricket news. So, Chapelli wants more law changes. On the back of law changes around ball maintenance being mooted, Ian Chappell is saying that the LBW law should be reviewed as well. Simply saying he really wants to have anything that is pitching and hitting the stumps to be reviewed and have the ability to be called as out. So if it's going on to hit the stumps, if it's pitched outside leg or it's pitched outside off, doesn't matter. It's going on to hit the stumps, it's out. Currently, the law allows for a player with the ball landing outside leg stump simply to kick the ball away. Under the Chapel law, that would be eliminated. This would mean that batsmen are then going to have to start changing the game up. And if you think about it, basically what you're looking at is batsmen opening up their stance more. Now, the original law around um, ball pitching outside leg stump not being able to be given out LBW came back, goes back to it uh, to eliminate negative play. Now, Bit of editorial here. I'm not in favour of this. Being a left-handed batsman, you come up against this a lot, where it's very hard to get your bat around the front of your left, front of your pad. It's not as easy as it seems. Even opening up the pad, opening up your stance, is going to make that more difficult. So I'm not a fan of it. No, when I was bowling, we had an opportunity one time. Team needed six runs and over, and I basically bowled at his legs. Came around the wicket, bowled out his legs, and he just couldn't get the bat there quick enough to be able to get it. He's got singles coming off the pads, and that's about it. To me, it's actually a positive thing to not have LBWs applicable when it pitches outside leg, not the opposite. But we'll see what happens. It's something that Chapelli has uh, put forward. His brother's already changed laws on the field, old um, Greg and Trevor, when they bowled the ball underarm. So we'll see where this goes, eh? And from India, Shurish Raina and a few fellow players, according to the BCCI, to allow non-contracted players to play outside of the IPL tournaments. Now, currently, all players from India need exemption to play in non-BCCI-sanctioned events. This includes non-contracted players. Example, Yusuf Pathan, Pathan who was not in, in the international squad consideration, had initially been granted to the ability to go play in the Hong Kong Blitz. Now, that was later revoked. Now, what they're saying is with the IPL obviously not going ahead this year or hugely in doubt whether it will be played later in the year, the let non-contracted players go and play in other tournaments outside of, outside of India so that they can earn some money, which seems like a fair idea. It seems rather unfair to have a non-contracted player that still has to abide by the heavy-handed rules of the BCCI. And just in news from, EC, from the ECB, hoping to resume play on July the 8th. Now, that might seem a bit optimistic. However, that's what they're sort of hoping for. It does. If it does go ahead, it will all be behind closed doors. Currently, they've aimed at two grounds uh, to have 
that have on-site accommodation, it's the AGS Bowl and Emirates Old Trafford, both have hotels on-site. So what they would be looking at is they would have all of the players, all of the support staff staying on-site, and obviously the bubble would be the ground, and everybody playing there wouldn't leave. They'd only be playing the game. The associated hangers on, obviously, with um, broadcast people as well. Now, what they're looking at is six tests in total at these two grounds, three against West Indies, three against Pakistan. That is all to be hopefully kicked off 8th of July. They are looking at other grounds, but they have to make sure that they meet the biosecurity requirements, which is effectively having a hotel close enough so as that there is no interaction with anybody outside of the playing or the, the, the associated playing bubble. So, Paul, that's the very limited cricket news that we have at the moment, and um, I'll pass it back to you. Thank you very much, Archwin, for that. We'll move on now to the rugby news. Uh, we mentioned the other day that uh, over in England, they're looking at a no-contact game um, start, uh, of uh, style for grassroots. And we've seen, as I say, uh, responses to that saying, hey, I'd rather give up the game than play that, or I'd much rather or, yeah, um, play that style. Um, Ian McGeek has come out with a good point saying, look, um, it's this or no rugby at all. Uh, and would we like to see a whole bunch of grassroots clubs go under? And we've been talking uh, from a New Zealand point of view, how important it is to get money uh, over the bar and to get memberships paid. So uh, to keep those clubs running. So remember, 99% of all rugby is amateur run by volunteers and financially supported by members and local businesses, um, he says or in his opinion piece uh, and um, you've got to say that yeah that that, that makes good sense there that, look even if it's um might not be rugby as we know it we need something to help keep these clubs um alive also uh, it's good to see that some um, tony lewis down in tasman um are getting themselves in place to resume their rugby and um, a report has come out down there about uh, how they uh, are looking at resuming this month. He has said, look, that all clubs have to be on board. We have to do it with the agreement of the clubs, um, not impose um, some sort of rules on them. It may mean um, that because they're having to police how many people can be at the grounds, so they have to hold, host all their games at Nelson's Trafalgar Park, Blenheim's Lansdowne Park, um, the, um, uh, and um, also Sports Park at Monte Ikua. Um, sorry about the mispronunciation there. Um, and that, that maybe that, yeah, they have to hold it at a limited number of grounds instead of using all of the club's grounds. Um, we'll have to see how it goes. As I say, getting some form of, of, of game up um, is, um, uh, is, is important, I think. So um, if you want to hear from Tony Lewis, then go back and have a look at the long talk where I had an hour long chat with him about rugby down in Tasman. Uh, you can get that on our Facebook page, New Zealand Sports Radio, or you can to listen, check out the podcast, uh, just search for New Zealand Sport Radio on your on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or your favourite pod catcher. And now I'm going to hand you back to Stephen Harris, who's going to take us through the league news and that big money deal. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Paul. Now, despite all the jousting that's gone on between the NRL and the broadcasters, in the last few weeks or so, the NRL expects to sign off one of the longest broadcast deals in Australian sport within days. 
reportedly set to net the cash strap organization close to $2.3 million. ARL Commission Chairman Peter Valandes has told News Corp that his aim is to reach an agreement on a seven-year deal with Nine and Foxtel by Friday. The revamped contract would cover the remaining three years of the NRL's existing deal, which is $1.8 billion for 2018 through to 2022, plus a four-season extension until the end of 2026. Both partners have acted in great faith, and I believe that we're very close. The loyalty factor has been important because you want to look after your partners who have been with the game for a long time, Rolande said. The negotiated deal would secure the NRL's long-term financial viability and should guarantee the future of all 16 clubs amid the uncertainty of the COVID-19 crisis. The annual payments would include a discounted rate for 2020 season due to the shortened 20 regular round campaign, which is planned for its restart in a couple of weeks' time. The developments are a huge boost for the NRL after nine CEO Hugh Marks recently declared it wasn't that rugby league, it was part of the network's future. And finally, in league news, now referees won't rule out strike over one ref proposal. Frustrated NRL referees won't rule out strike action over a proposal to cut the number of whistleblowers on the field this season. But first, they just want to be included in discussions. Professional Rugby League match official chairman Silvio Del Vicio confirmed on Sunday the referees were not consulted before the proposal to go from two referees to one was discussed at the Project Apollo meeting on Friday. Del Vicio said the lack of consultation was disrespectful and while a strike was not currently being considered with the season set to restart in just 18 days, the option was there. Industrial action is certainly something that is on the list of things. But if you're starting at position zero and end up in position 10, then industrial action may be at number 10, he told AAP. First and foremost, we want to, to engage with the NRL, talk to them about how they come up with this decision, where they go from here. And uh, that's pretty much it in the league news this morning. Always something happening. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you very much, Stephen. Yes, there is always something happening. And yes, it is a bumper show today. You've got to be, I'll rush through these last ones. But some um, uh, New Zealand Athletics Chiefs uh, say that it might be back to the future for the way that they're qualifying. We already have seven athletes qualified for Tokyo uh, in the shot put. We have Tom Walsh, Dame Valerie Adams and Jacko Gill. Marathon runners Zane Robertson and Malcolm Hicks and distance distance runner um, Camille Busham and race walker Quentin Roo um, have all already qualified for the Olympics. Um, to quote some Goodman, our athletes will have ample, ample opportunities to qualify. Some distance runners may say they need races with perfect pacing to drag them through. But for in-lane racing and a field events, it's, if it's a quality event with good conditions, you've got an opportunity to get performance on board. What he means there by... Uh, plenty of opportunities is that they'll be having looking at having trans Tasman um, events as as a, probably won't be the opportunities to go across to there. Sorry about the sneeze there. <coughs> um, sorry about interrupting for seizing. Um, to go across to Europe to uh, to qualify um, to finish his quote for our domestic based athletes. I think we'll be saying if you haven't got performances on board by the end of March, we won't um, conditionally select you. There'll be a small handful who generally need the extra bit of time and we'll leave the window open for them. Obviously, um, 
what do you call it, uh, injuries, etc., might impact that. Going over to Major League Baseball in the States, they're looking at beginning their season in early July and having an extended off-season. Uh, this is causing issues with the Players Association, um, who say, look, why are we having a reduced regular season um, and then extended off-season? Why can't we just have the full season? Because they are getting paid pro rata for regular season games, not for um, post-season games. So some question marks there around the owners. Are they trying to pull a fast one to pay the players less? Um, that's, uh, uh, so having seen industrial action happen before, um, as uh, Stephen was mentioning there in the NRL, having happened before over in the States, um, let's hope it doesn't come to that and they, and they see sense between them. Those sports have got lots and lots of cash in them. Let's be honest. In the America's Cup, um, the... Uh, we're expecting to see not to uh, the, the teams aren't going to see each other racing because of those two cancelled events in Europe. And also with the um, reduced time about uh, for development, uh, there, we could see some speed differences uh, that we wouldn't have expected otherwise come the Cups in around Christmas. Um, the team New Zealand, they look, they're happy with their simulators uh, and with their development they say, yes, they're impacted, but they don't believe they're impacted more than anybody else. Um, and that it's sort of fair across the small fleet of four boats. In Greyhound Racing on Sunday, um, they had to cancel the last two races of the meeting because of a fire um, in a shed. All the dogs were put in their trailers um, quickly. Uh, and luckily, because there weren't any spectators there whilst it was a bit hectic it was all done under control and two fire engines got out there to sort out the problem um, it looks like they'll be back to racing pretty soon um, in Auckland they were the first greyhound racing Auckland were the first racing people to get themselves back up and running um, they said look everyone has been behaving themselves because they realize that if there if people do not maintain uh, stick by all the rules that they may have to stop racing entirely so they're seeing that everyone is complying uh, and um keeping to all of the break, all of the lockdown uh, and uh, social distancing laws there. Finally, um, we have uh, a record has been broken in the uh, in, in skateboarding. Um, it's an 11, uh, sorry, it's 11 year old. It's broken the record. How um, Tony Hawks, um, famously back in 1999, um, managed a 900 degree spin on the vertical. Um, he was 31 when he achieved that. The 11-year-old um, uh, Brazilian skateboarder, Giu Curi, um, has managed a 180-degree um, deg spin on the vertical ramp. That is uh, obviously a new record, I say, uh, and it's taken over 20 years for that record to be broken. So congratulations to him. He was the youngest ever competitor at the um, X Games last year uh, when he equaled that 900 degree spin in competition, uh, but now he's gone 180 degrees further. So congratulations to him um, in make, making that feat. Um, so thank you, um, everybody who has joined us. Don't forget to like the Facebook page, um, New Zealand Sports Radio. Uh, it has been fantastic the amount of growth we've had over the opening sort of four, I guess getting on towards five weeks now that we have been alive um, thank you so much, everyone who has watched um, and listened. Uh, don't forget, you can listen on the podcast. Uh, just search for New Zealand Sports Radio over on iTunes, Spotify, 
um, or iHeartRadio plus other podcatchers are available. Um, tomorrow night, we will have the Hash Rugby chat where we'll be discussing the New Zealand finances. Obviously, last week, we got news as to what the books looked like at the annual sort of general meeting um, and how much money is spent on different pieces of it. So we'll discuss that. Also, um, it came out over the weekend that New Zealand rugby are looking at uh, potentially cutting half of their 180 staff um, across the uh, across the country. So we'll also be discussing that as well. So that'll be the big news that we'll be discussing in Hash Rugby Chat tomorrow evening. Don't forget on Wednesday also at 8pm we have Do You Know Sport? And we have room for one more team. So if you um, have uh, got a mate, why not uh, get in touch and take part? It is a fun um, sports quiz. It's the best sports quiz on New Zealand radio. It's the only sports quiz on New Zealand radio. And you win the biggest prize, which is bragging rights. Thank you, everybody. It's been a bit long today. Don't worry, we'll try and keep it down to 20 minutes going forwards. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.